You're listening to Brown on Brand, featuring Matthew Brown on Thumbstopper.fm. Hello, hello, hello again. This is Matthew Brown with Brown on Brand, brought to you by Thumbstopper.com. Been looking forward to this podcast. I know this guy personally. Welcome, Matt McCabe. How are you? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to join. So, Matt, I've known you a number of years. I was introduced to you from a friend of mine. I've always, you know, found it entertaining. I follow you on social media. You know, heard the stories. You deal on some of these watches that are, to me, just outlandish. They're just, and I know your style. The, the crazier, the better. Absolutely. And I see the stuff that you post and I'm like, wait a minute, is that a watch or is that some type of NASA part of a spacesuit? I definitely like, like watches that are not traditional watches yeah. that don't look like watches. Uh, so how'd you get into this? I mean, what, what, what drew you to watches? You know, this was just kind of dumb luck. I was just really into mechanical things. I liked watches when I was in high school, but I didn't grow up with money. So I bought myself a citizen when I was 17. Yeah. Um, and then further on down the line, I still liked watches, but I, I didn't think I would ever have the money to afford those watches. Sure. And I was teaching a motorcycle racing school and I wanted to have something in common with these gentlemen that were all affluent because our school was expensive. Yeah. And it seemed they all liked the three W's. They liked watches, women, and wine. Oh, and, wow. And, and you could okay. throw in cars, too. Yeah, yeah. But the one thing that they would take off and just pass around the table while they were all sitting together was their watches. And, you know, here I'm this young guy. Yeah. Uh, I didn't come from much. Yeah. I had a very, very... Um, humble. Humble background. Yeah. And I didn't have anything in common with these guys other than we liked motorcycles. Sure. And I wanted to talk intelligent with these people. So about the watches? I, it wasn't even about watches. Yeah. It, it was just like that was an avenue to talk intelligently, uh, intelligently to these people. Yeah, yeah. And so I just started researching watches. It was what they were interested in. And then I grew into uh, a, gener- a general passion for watches. And then yeah. I said, uh, you know, I, I have two ways I can go. If I'm going to fool around with watches, I can buy watches and lose money like most people. Yep. Or I can turn it into a business. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and that's what I did. Yeah, and obviously having you on Brown on Brand, I always want to, you know, substance it with, um, it's about branding. And I want to get into a little bit of the branding with you and the the high net worth individuals, the famous people sometimes you deal with and the stories behind these watches. And I'll tell you, I've kind of fallen in love with watches and I, I know very little about it. You know, the cool thing about a watch is, so most of these high net worth individuals are probably working a lot. That's the reason yeah. they've become high net worth individuals. Yep. But if you travel a lot and you you have a cool watch that you wear often, it's like taking a small piece of home with you when you're going to Europe or you're going to um, Asia. I and never it's thought really about nice. That. Yeah, I never thought about that. And yeah. then the, another nice thing is, so if you walk into a board meeting, you don't know who you're going to be talking to. You've done all your research. You know all the numbers, but you don't know this person personally. Yeah. If they're also into watches, oh, that's a really cool watch. Now you have something in common with this person. It's a great conversation it's, piece. It's perfect yeah. way to make common ground. And I didn't start out thinking that I would just sell watches. I thought I'm going to sell watches as a means to meet influential people and do something bigger. And that's where phase two comes in. And that's where it's, it's starting to go. So this is an interesting topic for me. So I might ask you some questions and sure, feel free to absolutely. say none of my business, but what's the most expensive watch you've sold? Uh, 1.7 million. 1.7 million. Wow. What was it? It was a Sky Moon Turbion by Patek Philippe. 
Okay. Was yeah. there any story behind it or is it just that rare? Uh, there was a story behind it. I was selling another gentleman a watch and he brought a friend and the friend said, can you get me a Sky Moon Turbion? Yeah. And I, I think he was just saying it because he didn't think I could do it. Yeah. And I just happened to know a guy who had a Sky Moon. So I said, okay. are you serious? How many of these are there? Uh, Paddock doesn't release numbers, but yeah. they maybe they make three or four a year okay. at that time. Okay. Um, speculation, because like I said, they don't release numbers, but yeah. it's extremely rare to the point where you can't just go buy one. It's not readily available. Right, right. So that's very cool. So, yeah, he says, uh, you know, I think he was testing me a little bit. And I, and I shot a guy a text message and I said, do you have a Sky Moon Turbion? And he said, yes. And I said, how much? And, uh, and I just told the guy casually uh, how much I wanted for it. And he said, okay. And he bank wired me. Oh, wow. Wow. That was easy. <laughs> yeah, that's great. How yeah. long ago was that? Uh, gosh, I was living at Miami, in Miami at the time, so that was, you know, probably six, seven years ago. You brought up a term, right? The average user probably isn't going to know what this means, and maybe you can explain it in layman's terms. I know there are people right now going, what the hell is a turbion? Okay, so a turbion is actually a device that was made by a guy named Breguet in yep. 1801, and it counteracts gravity. So in a watch, you have a balance wheel, which is what keeps everything in line. It's... um. It's like the belts on your car that keep everything meshing. Yeah, okay. So it's a cage that goes around that balance wheel that's supposed to counteract gravity. In a watch today, it's probably not necessary. Actually, it isn't necessary. It's a way for a company to show off their technical prowess that they can yeah. build it. Yeah. And obviously, clients like it. It's a very visual thing. It is. Um, something cool to watch. Great. But um, really cool complication. So how, you know, diving into the technical side of it, you know, I've got a couple smartwatches now, the Samsung smartwatches. Right. You know, what do you find? How is that? What's the buzz, right, around watches and smartwatches? Sure. So when smartwatches came out, you heard all kinds of guys, oh, no, this is going to hurt our industry. Yeah. The average watch I sell is between seventy to 100000 a watch and yeah. above. Of yeah. course, I sell lower-end watches. Yeah. but. So the $600 smartwatches aren't hurting anything. It's not affecting yeah. my business. As a matter of fact, I've thought about buying a smartwatch myself because, yeah. like I said, now I've, I have I sold watches at the beginning to meet influential people. Mm -hmm. And I've met a lot of influential people. Many of them are our, our personal friends. Yeah. And I just have so many tech ideas that now it's phase two. It's like I'm going to continue to sell watches, but now I want to build a company around watches sure. to sell to someone like Amazon or some of the big players. And that is absolutely where the tech comes in and it's going that way. Amazon, look, if they can rule the whole rest of the world, what makes you think they don't want to go take some of those dollars out of the luxury industry? They'd like to have everything. Everything. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. So you can't stop Bezos. So yeah. So if you think about it, if you can build <laughs> something turnkey yeah, and it makes sense for Amazon, like you, build it so it's perfect for Amazon. Do you think Amazon's going to be like, well, I build it. They're just going to buy you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I agree. And so the tech market and the smartwatches, just not an inflection point even on your Nothing. radar for, yeah. I would say I would that, have I would have assumed that. I would say that uh, smartwatches have been fantastic for the people who are producing them. Yep. But they're much more of a... It's probably going to stop you from buying the next phone before it's going to stop yeah, yeah. you from buying your next luxury watch. Sure. Can you tell me a crazy story? Uh, yeah, I'll tell you a story. So I had, uh, no one would even know who he was. Yeah. But uh, I had, 
a uh, a person of the Saudi royal family buy a watch from me. And I at the time, I didn't know that being a Saudi prince, there was like thousands of them. So I hear this guy's a Saudi prince, and I'm thinking, oh, my God, this is the mother load. Apparently, if you're just friends with someone, you can be a Saudi prince. Okay. But anyways, he flies me over, pays me, pays me with a uh, in cash, yeah. gives me a, a briefcase that's a Louis Vuitton briefcase. And I say to the guy, like, what do you want me to do with the Louis Vuitton briefcase? And he just said, keep it. It was a $6,000 briefcase. Wow. Just, just keep it. <laughs> that is crazy. So, yeah, I mean, that was an interesting story. Did he buy a watch? Yeah, he bought an auto. Uh, he bought a, a very expensive Audemars. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah. cool. Um, one of the software projects that we've worked on is an authentication product uh, for one of the online marketplaces that has um, a real problem with fake merchandise. Sure, absolutely. It's a, it's a huge problem for every industry. Yeah, it is a huge problem for every industry. How do you, being such a guy that's known, I see the amount of followers, the amount of input that you have, these people that are collectors of watches. How do you ensure, I mean, do you have an eye well enough that you can tell a fake? Because I've seen some There's pretty the, good. The, the fakes are getting better, phenomenal. Right? Really? I mean, not better. I mean, like I have to take it to my watchmaker and yeah. my watchmaker has to scrutinize it. Yeah. So the fakes are getting phenomenal in the, in the common watches, mm -hmm. but something like this Urwork or something like. Yeah. No one fakes Nobody's it knocking one. it off yet. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's no reason for them to. Yeah. Uh, most people that are buying a fake watch are probably doing it because they want some sort of status. Yeah, yeah. And an FP Journe watch, you you'll get the status you want from the, your peers. Yeah. You know the the people that are running in your circle, but the normal Joe Blow has never heard of an FP Journe. He's gonna see I your watch and absolutely have no idea that it's supposed to be expensive. Yeah. True. That's true. That's a good point. Yeah. And um. You know, with the fakes, I can just remember a few years back, we were having lunch, and I forget who said it, and they were like, look at this, and you were like, get that away from me. You knew it right away. I can't have anything to do that. No, I don't absolutely touch not. Yeah. You know, I only deal in the best and with the best, and so, yeah. yeah I mean, it would I be I wonder like, how you fend it off, right? Have you ever gotten taken? Um, Yeah, I got taken by a guy who was running a $50 million Ponzi scheme, and I didn't get taken bad, and it was yeah. a really cheap lesson now that I think about it. Yeah. This guy had bought a few watches from me okay, and was probably going to buy tons of watches from me until his Ponzi scheme kind of, you know, got exposed. Got Ponzied up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Got exposed. So I deliver a watch to him in person and he pays me half in cash and the other half in a check. Yeah. But I've already sold this guy multiple watches. So there's a trust level there. Sure. And it turns out the check bounces. And he says, listen, I... I there was a problem. I'm going to send you some more checks. And he does. Yeah. yeah. And every month I have to put a different check in and you never know if it's going to bounce or not. And I'm thinking to myself, I should just sue this guy, but he only owes me about 10 more K. So it's not worth it. It's going to cost yeah. me more. Yeah. And it turned out he, he ended up only owing me two K when it was all said and done. And then yeah. I saw on the news, he got arrested. Could have been much worse. Yeah. So at that point I was like, I'm not worried about two K. I don't want to get involved. Yeah. And uh, but been much it, worse. it was just a really cheap lesson that no matter how much you think, you know, someone business is business and friendship yeah, yeah. is friendship, but they don't have to like, listen, if some guy's your friend, then he should just pay you up front because that's how it works. Yeah. Yeah. So. I wasn't sure how often you get it. I mean, like you said, it's in every industry yeah. and I know you steer clear of it, but absolutely, you know, I see some of these things as well. People are wearing these and they go, 
and you look at them and you go, oh, I can't tell. Right. You know, it's amazing. And, and you know, some you know, to me, though, and this has actually started to become an issue in my life because social media is so huge in the selling space mm-hmm. that this is how the technology is changing watches. Normally, you would have gone into your authorized dealer. You would have gone into your local jeweler and you would have bought a watch. Yeah. But technology has made it so that all the super hottest watches, anyone from around the world can buy those watches mm-hmm. now. It's not a local market. It's a globalized market. Yep, yep. And so the guys with the huge money are buying all of the watches that everyone wants. Mm-hmm. And now the market, instead of being like a discount market, all the really hot stuff is selling way over list. Absolutely. So that's a whole different you know side yeah, of the industry, yeah. but it's definitely a big part of it. Yeah, I want to I'm going to wrap up the segment. I know we're sure. going to spend some time with Emmanuel on kind of the latest uh, topics on social media. You and I are going to get hit cold with that. But is there anything else you want to talk about or add today? I know uh, I love following you on Instagram. How do I spell your Instagram handle? OK, so my Instagram is Turbion 001 and it's spelled T-O-U-R-B-I-L-L-O-N. Mm-hmm. Zero zero one, and, and do then you have uh, a website. I do have a website. Okay. S- same thing. www.turbion zero zero one at dot um, dot excuse com. Me, dot com. All right, awesome. All right, Maddie, we're gonna get on out of here and bring in a manual. All right, Emmanuel, thanks for joining us. Matt McCabe and I just finished up, had a nice session on watches and kind of things about life, interesting topics. Um, but Emmanuel, take it away. Welcome to another round of the social roundup. And we're going to be talking about some awesome topics. So let's just jump straight into it. The first topic is your reputation depends on a solid and legal online review strategy. Consumers rely on search results, social media, and peer reviews to perform research and gather feedback on businesses they are considering visiting or or products they're thinking of purchasing. And while it can be easy to turn a blind eye on the reviews your business receives, simply ignoring those review sites can be damaging to your bottom line. And an interesting statistic is 95% of shoppers read online reviews before they make a purchase. This one makes me realize how very different I am. Because once again, I don't read reviews. I've never read a review. I've never read a review. But Sophia, my fiance, reads a review on everything. We we could literally be... Our buddy Fratello won't buy a product without, you know, looking. (laughs) But here's what I know about reviews. They're manufactured. Absolutely. I mean, they're completely manufactured. So they're important. Yes, that I know that 90, I have to go with um, the herd, right? You said 95% of people. 95% of shoppers. So 95% of shoppers read reviews, they're misled. So, not, you know, what that statistic tells me is 95% of the people are misled. You know, reviews are when they're, when they're not manufactured, they're opinions. Absolutely. You know, and I don't, I don't, frankly, I don't like eating at restaurants that 95% of the people eat at. And I don't, you know, like doing a lot of things and I I don't go to places with crowds. So, you know, 95% of the people have been to Bush Gardens in Tampa, Florida. It's not for me. Right. So I I definitely don't put a lot of stock into reviews because I think that, uh, listen, in this world where everything is driven by an algorithm, all you do is go pay people to do reviews. You get pumped up to the, the top of the algorithm and the reviews I mean just, nothing. I just left a bad review for a, and they took it down. The Google review, they removed it because they didn't like it. So bad reviews are being taken down. Good reviews are being manufactured. But here's the bottom of the story to your point, Emmanuel. 
we can't ignore it because it'll affect the bottom line. Yeah, that's you're short-sighted. a prisoner to reviews. But my my personal view is is that they're manufactured and they're not accurate. Right. Well, I mean, this is going to be a very unpopular opinion. It is. Oh, it's only going to be five no, 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 percent of us. I'm about to give you an unpopular. <laughs> oh, opinion. okay, good. I like them. I like the unpopular opinions. If I meet ten people today. Do I really think 9.5 of those people's opinion is something that I should just go with? No. I'm going to probably meet 10 people today, and one of them is going to be really fantastic. Five are going to be average, and maybe the other people I can't stand. So why do I care about their opinion? But you're right. It's absolutely short-sighted because of the herd mentality. Yeah. You know, not not the alpha. We're people back to that, Apple. Yeah, we're not. We're back to Apple. Yeah, the alphas are going to say, "I don't care what your opinion is." Yeah, but the people that are just the status quo going but through that, life. But that's less than five percent of the people are out. Exactly. That's yeah. why you can't ignore it. It's so yeah. important to stay on top of that. Yeah, I almost want to go against the grain most of the time, and but at the end of the day, you can't ignore it. Businesses can't ignore it. We have it in our platform, reputation mm-hmm. management. We try to do it in a clairvoyant way that's honest and upfront right. and teaching uh, businesses best practices. You know, but me personally, I never read. I, I don't trust the public. You know, somebody asked me about unemployment rate being it is. I think unemployment rate ought to be 20 percent. Two out of 10 people I meet, I don't know how they're employable. I don't know how they're employable. Or 40%, you know? Well, that's just it. I mean, everyone's opinion. How do we get my cheese straight on the sandwich? Is, yeah, it, ev- is it a, we need to Everyone's opinion the... doesn't carry weight to me. Yeah. So. Yeah. Good. Awesome. Should businesses be using influencers as part of their 2020 digital marketing strategies? Should they use influencers? Listen, a business, especially if a business is publicly traded, it's sole goal is to make money. So should they use them if they can make money? Absolutely. Now, do I think they should do it responsibly? I mean, look at Firefest. Yep. How many people got screwed out of so much money for oh, Firefest? Yeah. I watched that documentary the other night. Yeah. And, and, and frankly, if you didn't have those influencers, nothing, none of that ever happens. But um, look, if you use influencers in a in a fair, honest way, I have no problem with that. I mean, you would be stupid not to. You know, I'm all over the board on influencers. I mean, what's an influencer? A really hot female on Instagram, you know, a really hot male on Instagram, rock, um, somebody who rides BMX bikes better than anybody else who rides BMX bikes, uh, somebody who was tight. I use influencers today, and they're not famous people, and they're not hot right. models. They're people that have been working in an industry for 15 or 20 years, they can make introductions. So should businesses be using influencers? Here's my view on influencers. Influencers are like one of the hottest things that you can do right now. I but, get offered money all the time to, to promote products yeah. that I don't like, but yeah. it doesn't make sense for me because then it hurts my brand. Yeah. You know, if, if I sell $100,000 watches and you want me to promote a $1,000 watch, not only does more. it not make sense for my brand, but now I've just sold out. Doesn't yeah. make sense. I, Matt, I couldn't agree more. And it and it's a lot like what we just talked about with reputation management. What's an influencer really mean? And I and I think I think influencers are almost at their height right now. For sure. And and I, I think, think companies that, will see that certain influence, absolutely. But other yeah. in, I mean, I know guys that are influencing stuff because they have fifteen thousand followers on Instagram, but who cares if your 15,000 followers can't afford the product you're influencing? Yeah. yeah. So I think they're important. Right? And I'm yeah. continually looking for influencers, but I think, I think it's a, 
it's important that the influencer match up to the product that you're trying to sell. Absolutely. It has to have some correlation and add value to the product for the influencer to make sense. Yeah. I mean, look at Kylie and the, the lip fillers and things like that. So it's nuts. None of it makes sense to me. I think influencers, um, I think they're vital for if brands today right now. If any of the Kardashians right want to wear my watches, I'm flying out to California. Let's just say. I mean, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I knew having Matt McKeeben here, this thing could go sideways. Yeah. Uh, I, I, listen, not, he wants the champagne over the back. Listen, it has nothing to do with the Kardashians at this point. I mean, I'm just celebrities don't really do much for me. I deal yeah. with with guys who really make can influence yeah. the real world much more than celebrities, CEOs of large companies. But hey. If, if a celebrity wants to wear one of my watches and it blows up my business and it feeds my family, absolutely. I like people that are humble. You know, my wife put me in check, you know, six months ago where I was complaining about somebody and the speed at which they were doing something. And she said, you know, when God's blessed you with a gift, right? And, um, you know, the gift maybe be common sense or maybe intelligence. Sure, absolutely. Or, you know, don't take for granted. If God blessed you to be a beautiful person, a smart person, a wealthy person, you know, whatever that is, is, you know, the main thing is, is you just want to see humble. Yeah, that's, I agree. That, that's what I agree. everybody likes to see. I think, well, could not you, everybody. I mean, look at, well, our, could you imagine how hard it would be to hum, be, be humble if you've never known anything else? I mean, I grew up in a humble background. That's why I don't relate with people that were born billionaires. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how you would relate with hum, humble, humbleness. You'd yeah. be surprised. Most of the billionaires that I know are really humble dudes and, yeah. and you only know they're billionaires because you yeah. Googled them. I guess I'm talking about the political spectrum again. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, that was a very interesting round of social roundup. Uh, thank you, Matt, again, for being a guest and Matt and Matt, Matt and Matt, Matt, Matt. and yeah. uh, sharing your perspectives on these articles. Awesome. Thanks, Emmanuel. Wrapping this thing up. Um, well into season two now. Thanks again, Matt McCabe. Special thanks to Emmanuel. You know, thanks everybody again for tuning in to Brown on Brand. I hope you were entertained. Um, you know, we do this for you. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. And remember, subscribe to Brown on Brand at thumbstopper.fm or wherever fine podcasts can be found. 